I'm Matt Pridemore, and welcome to The Franchise Maker. As someone who came from a middle-class family, I never knew it was possible to have this level of success. If someone like me can create wealth, then anyone can. The world of franchising is wide open and full of opportunity. I'm going to show you how you can change your life by owning and building a franchise and how simple it truly is. Not only will I give you the advice and tools to build on your own, but also will interview some of the most successful folks in franchising today to hear their story. Join me each week for The Franchise Maker. Welcome in. This is Matt Pridemore. Thank you for joining us. Uh, great to have you here. Today, I've got on Mr. Rob Ball around with me. He's going to be hanging out and talking to us a little bit. Obviously, uh, we, we started with just an intro last episode uh, about myself. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and uh, and check that out for episode one. Jumping into episode two here and uh, really want to start breaking down some of the pieces, some of the processes that, that we go through. And Rob, uh, you know, just to kind of explain what this is all about is basically the franchise builder. We're, we're, we're reaching out to people that uh, might be working for, you know, they've got an employer, they've kind of gotten tapped out within their small business and they're trying to figure out, you know, maybe it's time to go invest in yourself. Maybe it's time to, uh, to go start building something uh, of your own. And I know, you know, both of us have been in that position and, um, you know, we're, we're both a couple years down the road and, and we've, uh, we both had tons of successes, lots of, uh, lots of learning that has gone on in, in the last couple of years, uh, but tons of growth as well. And so wanted to, to kind of bring you in on here and, um, you know, maybe, maybe start out by giving a little bit of, uh, about yourself and, and your background and, uh, kind of dive into, you know, where, where people can, can look to go if, if they are looking to, to get into, you know, a franchise or opening businesses for themselves. But uh, where did you really get your start uh, in business? Yeah, Matt, I appreciate you guys having me on board. Um, you know, I, I you know, just kind of heard that intro for the first time. And, you know, I, I just was thinking to myself, man, I wish this existed uh, a few years ago when I got my start to kind of help guide me through some of the processes that, you know, you and I have <laughs> have kind of, you know, talked about over the, over the past few years, because there's a lot of unknowns. And I think that at the end of the day, a lot of people, you know, look at this as something that is almost impossible. Like, where do I get started? And, uh, and this really will kind of help them, you know, create those building blocks, the roadmap, so to speak, to, uh, you know, find that success. It's not as hard as everybody thinks, you know, uh, just kind of give everybody a little background of myself. Um, you know, I'm 35 years old, just turned 35. And when I was 18 years old, I started out in the furniture industry because that's what my mom did. Uh, my mom was the first showroom manager for a, a, a little company called Raymore and Flanagan at the time. I believe they only had maybe five or six different showrooms. And, you know, they're now a huge billion dollar company. And, and my mom said, hey, listen, you know, college is probably not for you, but you know what? You have the gift of gab. Why don't you try selling furniture? And I, you know, as a, as a high school kid, I think, I don't think anybody at, at the high school age is like, you know what? Furniture is my thing, right? Maybe interior design, but selling furniture, I don't think is really in anybody's, you know, mindset when you're, you know, 17, 16 years old. Uh, but it was for me. And my mom brought me into the showroom. She connected me with a lot of phenomenal trainers and they kind of taught me to craft and kind of fast forward. You know, I ended up with Badcock Home Furniture and More, which is a Southeast company, a phenomenal family owned and operated company, or at least it was until a few days ago. And um, still a phenomenal company, but 
you know, they gave me the opportunity to really attach to a lot of different dealers uh, and see how to grow their business from, a, you know, from the crow's nest, from corporate. Uh, Matt, you being one of them and so many others. And I had the opportunity to take what I learned and go out and buy my very first dealership. Now, there's a difference between dealership and franchise, and I'm sure you'll have a whole episode around that. But at the end of the day, they're very, very similar. There are some key differences. But you know what I was able to do was take the little capital that I had and invest it in a business that already had all of the product processes, the people in place. And, uh, and I was able to take the skill that I had, which is sales and leadership, and buy a business and really be able to scale it. Yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on right there, Rob, is is taking, you know, and something that that one of the big reasons that I'm even doing this podcast and do it, you know, we, we we've got a, a pretty cool book deal going and and everything else we, that we've got is that, you know, the true fulfillment at the end of the day, at this point in our lives, we we've made some pretty good money. We've grown businesses. We've, you know, done all these things. But really, at the end of the day, I want to see more people understand you know, to me, this is the backbone of America. And I, I really think, you know, starting and, and creating uh, small businesses, but using what what franchises and what dealerships, what larger corporations have to offer, you know, so, something you talked about, uh, they, they do have the processes set up. And, um, you know, that, that speed to market that you, you talk about sometimes, um, you know, we're, we're, when you got your start, um, I mean, did you did you create the business plan? Uh, you know, before you went and even talked to Badcock. I mean, what 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 were some of those early processes that that just kind of got you off the ground? If somebody's sitting at home right now saying, "Crap!" If I'm looking at a franchise or looking at you know that model, um, you know, where where do I even start? And uh, was yours kind of a business plan type thing that you wrote out, or you know, after your dream came, what what happened there? Yeah, no, I think everybody thinks. Um, that there needs to be some clandestine plan set up beforehand that's in a nice, you know, tightly woven binder that you could show to somebody from Harvard and they would understand and maybe you yourself might not understand it. That is not how it works. Um, they're really, I mean, yes, business plans are fantastic as you start to scale and you need to understand financials that, you know, having financial literacy. I mean, listen, you don't need to be a CPA to own a business. Matter of fact, most business owners do have some financial literacy, but they don't understand all the tax laws and all the things that go in with it. You need to have the basics, right? You know, how much cash is coming in? What does the store or business produce? How much is going out and how much is going to trickle to the bottom line? It's a very simple equation. My son, he's nine years old. He's learning it right now. It's addition and subtraction. So, you know, I don't think that you need to mire yourself down in figuring out every possible detail. You just need to get started. And that's how it was for me. I think, you know, for me, I did not have a business plan, but I knew I had the skills in order to make the business work. Maybe not scale it, but make business work. And so for me, it was save as much money as I can, right? I mean, you know, you have the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world, the Dave Ramsey's of the world that say don't go into debt and you know, leverage that and all these different things. But at the end of the day, I scaled my life way down, right? I wasn't going to Starbucks every single day. I wasn't going out to eat. I wasn't going on these fancy elaborate vacations. I drive a Camry. I still drive a Camry. And basically what I did was I saved all that money and said, okay, great. I'm ready to do what I know I can do. So if you're somebody that's out there that, for example, um, 
let's just say you work in the food service industry, okay? And you're like, hey, I'm really good at this. I know how to manage my food costs. I know how to order. I know all the different things that go into food. My suggestion to you is if, you're, if you've capped out, like Matt said before, but you already do everything at the operational level, find out just a little bit more about the business and see what it would take to franchise. Because franchising is going to be wildly less expensive than going out and creating your own uh, food, you know, restaurant, right? right. Because you're going to get the food brought to you. You're going to have pre-negotiated prices, all these different things. Plus, you're going to have the process that you know will work and it's duplicatable. And that's, you know, hopefully I answered your question, but that's kind of what I did. I, I, I said, listen, I know how to do this job. I know how to be the store manager of a furniture store. I went out and I found some of the services like an accountant and a payroll service that was able to handle the things that really were always handled for me when I was part of the corporate world. Okay, so that was by and large the same. Of course, it came at a cost, but I knew that the business, based upon that cost because of addition subtraction, would be able to hold that cost. And I just did what I did best, and I didn't try to handle all of it. And I think that you know that at the end of the day, I and mean, that's the beauty of, of you know franchising. That's the beauty of 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 really leveraging your true talent. You know, I, I think. Um, Les Brown says it best. Don't develop your weaknesses. Your weaknesses are your weaknesses on purpose. Doesn't mean you can't get better at them, better at them, but I wouldn't focus on it, right? I mean, like LeBron James is a phenomenal basketball player. He's probably not that great at baseball. That doesn't mean he should go and play more baseball to get better at it. No, he needs to concentrate on what God gifted him with, which is being a phenomenal basketball player. It's the same thing with you and me. The things that we're good at is you know, selling product is creating excitement. It's the leadership aspect and developing individuals. It's not sitting down and doing a book of business and, a, and, a, and, a, and creating a plan and, you know, talking to banks and doing all these different things. Find those individuals that can fill the gaps for you so that way you can run as fast as you can in creating, you know, revenue for your business. Right. No, I, you're, you're absolutely spot on there. But I, I do want to go back just a little bit. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, keeping the cost low, keeping overhead low. And I, I think that's one thing that's not really talked about uh, a whole lot when people talk about uh, starting a business. You know, they, a, a lot of people go out and try to find the perfect building or try to find the perfect, um, you know, area or, or whatever. But th- I think the basics of this are, are starting with a need. I mean, if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 1,000%. I mean, you have to, you have to start with, um, with your underserved, at least my mindset and that you might have a difference and opinion on this. I know you and I kind of bounced back and forth on this over the years, but you have to think about who is underserved first. Right. And so sometimes, you know, going to where all the businesses are is the best plan, right? Because you're going to get, you know, economies of scale and you're going to get the mad rush of customers. But sometimes you got to think about where the customers are underserved. And so, um, you know, that might be a whole other conversation, but, but, you know, if we're looking at developing, which is just kind of fast forwarding in your journey, if you're looking at developing a particular new area, you know, if there's, you know, let's just say fast food is the perfect example, and even the furniture industry, you know, sometimes going where all the furniture stores are or where all the food is might not be the best possible place. Go to where the new neighborhoods might be and where those customers are underserved. So that way you can capture market share earlier. I'm not sure if that's the direction you were kind of going in, but yeah, but yeah I mean, I believe you got to think about where your customers are, where they are in their journey, where they're currently shopping, and if they're served or underserved. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Uh, f- for the most part, I mean, 
for for me and and growing my business now, uh, I'm not so much of a, a ground up type guy. I'm I'm not the uh, the guy that's going to go out and look at brand new markets. Um, I, I think there's a, a small window here of where uh, you know the growth in in so many different sectors. I think franchising really kind of you know blossomed in the in the 70s and 80s, and a lot of those people you know in uh, the Domino's world and the McDonald's world and uh, the Monarchy Car Care world and just all over all these different sectors, there are a lot of people retiring, and I just don't see a lot of people our age, mid thirties, that are that are jumping into those opportunities. And I think there are tons of opportunities out there, no matter what sector you're you're in. But the the franchise world is just kind of open for the taking at this point, and um, you know I, I think there's so much opportunity out there, and and um, you know the the news try, you know I think the the media has a lot to do with with pushing us in in different directions that they want us to go. Uh, but I, I think uh, it, it really takes kind of having that, that mindset. But uh, the, the pr- one of the big problems I, I see these days is that uh, pe- people feel like um, but pe- people really, really feel like success is, is microwavable. And, you know, as much success as you've had in the last couple of years, you know, people are able to see that now. But um, I mean, you, you went through your struggles as well you know, early on in your, you know, in your business ownership career, but it, it didn't break you. And I think that's one of the, the, the big things for people to understand. You are going to hit bumps and bruises in the road. Uh, and, and you know, ha- you're going to go through struggles and, and sometimes they're not going to be somebody right there to pat you on the back and tell you it's going to be okay. But that's, um, that that's type, you know, that's business ownership 101 to me. Yeah, no. I, so a lot of people, so for example, Let's just say you work for a, a business, you know, and, and it is a franchise business, and you you look at the owner that's been doing it for twenty years, and you know you think that early on your life is going to be similar to that franchise owner the day you buy the business. It's it's not, um, and I think one of the major one of the major things that people do um, when they're getting into business is that they get the title business owner. And they realize that there's nobody else above them and they can check out because they now no longer have anybody holding them accountable to doing certain things. And so you really got to dig deep, you know, early on today, if today is the day that you're just making the decision to, you know, I, I'm going to step out and go into business for myself. You got to think about why you're doing that, right? You know, Matt, you and I have talked about this for years, right? Understanding your why and what your next couple steps are. If your first thought in your brain is, well, hey, you know, I'm going to only have to work 30 hours a week now. I'm going to tell you right now, don't do it. Do not do it. Enjoy your corporate job where you have less responsibility and don't do it. If you're thinking, hey, I'd rather work 120 hours as opposed, for myself as opposed to 40 hours for somebody else, that's the way I want to do it. Even if the money is exactly the same, that's the mindset that you absolutely need to have. And so, you know, the only person that's going to be able to answer that is going to be yourself. And finding the money, finding the capital, finding all of those different things is extremely easy to do, right? My name is Rob Ball. Pick up the phone, call me. I'm on LinkedIn. You can figure it out, right? If it's a good business model, we'll invest. Somebody like Matt, same thing, right? Money is easy to find, especially from banks. Right now, they're slinging money like you would not believe. What's hard to find is the expertise, right, in knowing how to make that business run, 
Number two, the hard thing to find is going to be the person with the work ethic that's going to show up there at two o'clock in the morning and leave there at 12 o'clock at night and do it all over again the next day and sacrifice family time, sacrifice their own you know, health and sleep and all those different things in order to make that business work. And they're going to do that for the next you know, 36 months before they really and truly start getting you know, the freedom that a business can require so you can concentrate on other things. But again, I, I just go back to the fact that if you are not if you want to create a business or become a bit, and I mean, Matt, you've seen this a million times. I know that I have, you know, especially in my previous role, uh, you know, with Bad Cox, the Bad Cox organization, I'd watch these people invest so little, become a business owner, you know, make, you know, basically the same amount of money that they were making before, but now they no longer have to be there. They never grow the business and the business dies a very slow death. And then they go end up going bankrupt. You know, if you look at it, Matt, you probably have some statistics on this, you know, it's like 80% of new business ventures that includes franchises fail. Why is that? Well, because people check out, they can now go on vacation whenever they want. Money continues to come in, but then it slowly, but surely the business erodes. You got to work in your business and you have to work on your business in order to be successful. And then eventually when you grow your business, you'll be able to have the infrastructure required for the business owner to truly be the business owner. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's kind of some mind-blowing statistics. Something like um, 70% fail in the first year, but then people would think, well, if you if you keep going a few a few years later, that 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 failure rate will get better. But it actually gets worse. It goes up to 90% after five years. And people say, well, why is that? Well, because you you know if you survive that first year where you're trying to make the money, you get into to a, a comfort place. Of thinking that you know, well, it happened in year one, so it's just going to automatically happen in year two, three, four. Well, they they just they you know if they do well in those years and they start to check out by year five and say, okay, we're we're good to go and I don't need to be there though you know, but thirty hours a week or whatever. But that that failure rate of businesses goes up to ninety percent from year five to year ten, and uh, you know, so there you've got to understand. You've got to listen to the the people that are around you and have that mentor. And Rob, I'm sure you've got you know some mentors in your life. How important have have mentors been to you since you've gotten in to to business ownership that that have kind of kept you, uh, you, you know, kept your head in the game, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I consider myself a very average person, average intellect, you know, et cetera. And and you know, I don't know how, you know, people like Elon Musk do it right how they go out there and they just create something out of nothing i mean i am an absolute envy in all of them um but mentors are everything to me because i always try to see and look for clues in others and so you know my, my parents always used to joke around that i was a i was always a pretty good kid right didn't get into too much trouble all these different things and i used to always say well i learned from my brother's mistakes and it's the same type of thing in business and business and success leads clues. And so, you know, if you have somebody that's a mentor in your business, if you're working in, you know, in pretty much any industry, just look one rung above where you are sitting right now. And then maybe look five, six, seven rungs above that person. And you're going to want to find both of those mentors because you're going to want to find somebody that you want to be in the next six months to 12 months. That's that one rung above you. And then you want to think 10 years down the line, where's that individual and how can I start learning today and getting myself prepared for 10 years from now? And so I always believe that everybody needs two mentors, right? Or, or more, but in business specifically, you need at least two. 
that are uh, one, you know, kind of setting the pace for you and the other ones, you know, way out in front of you. So that way you have something to constantly fish for. But yeah, mentors are everything because they're going to help steer you and guide you down paths um, that they, they may have failed themselves and, and kind of tell you where the landmines are and tell you where the gold is as well. I love it. I love it. Um, so kind of, uh, you know, finishing up just a little bit and, and, and trying to make sure people understand if you are a, a frontline, you know, worker, if you're in sales or, you know, you're at the front desk or front counter of, of a business, uh, basically what Rob is saying is literally, you know, have somebody that's a, a mentor that might be in management and then have somebody that's, you know, might already be in business ownership. Where do you want to be in a couple of years? And, and it's okay for those mentors to change too. I mean, you're, you're going to, you know, once you get to, you know, to management, uh, you know, you're, you're going to find somebody that might be fresh into business ownership and then somebody that's been in it for five, six, seven years. But to, to constantly add value, I think that's a, a, a big word is, you know, don't go looking after mentors for them just to bring you value. But, you know, I, I think that's one of the beautiful pieces of, you know, why I have a relationship with, you know, somebody like Rob and some of these other uh, business owners that, that I've gotten to, to be in with the uh, the, the salaries up in, in Atlanta and, and uh, you know, all these other business guys is that I'm trying to bring them value. And, uh, you know, I, I think value is a two-way street there. Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, as you were talking, it kind of reminded me of, you know, something I was listening to, a, I think it was another podcast just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, on the podcast, you know, it was very much millennial-driven talking about the job market and how long you can stay in a job and how long you should stay in a job. And if, if you, you know, quit your job and you go to the next job, you know, you can earn on average an additional, you know, four and a half percent pay. And, you know, you can do this and you can do that. And, and basically it was encouraging people to job hop. Now I will tell you this right now, if you're not in your passion, right, if you do not see a path to success, then yeah, I think that that's better than doing nothing. Okay. But I have found the exact opposite. What I have found is through building relationships. I've been in furniture my entire life, and I've found some, you know, fairly good success. And I think that on the horizon, I think as I'll look back, I'll find some great success. But, but I, as I started in the furniture industry, all I concentrated on was providing more value to the people above me and the people around me than I did the day before. And in turn, those people impacted me tremendously with knowledge and wisdom that I couldn't get from any college groups. And if I did not stick around and build those relationships with the people that were around me, the people that can help me today, I would never have the opportunities that are in front of me that I was able to take advantage of and will take advantage of in the future. And so, you know, my, my encouragement to everybody is if you like what you're doing and you can see a path to potentially franchising, potentially business ownership, stick around, you know, 3%, 5%, even 10% more money is not really going to change your life. You're making $30,000 a year. If you go to $33,000 a year in another job, but you have to start all over, that's not going to change your life. That might help your financial situation right now. And it might feel pretty good right now, but what you should be shooting for is true financial freedom six-figure incomes? How can you make this a business that's duplicatable so you can become, you know, a multimillionaire or something like that, right? And I've always kind of felt like sticking around, being the last man standing, saying yes when everybody else says no, staying late, hard work, 
is still rewarded in America. And I hope it's rewarded for the rest of my life, at least, because um, I, I think that's the way, you know, I think that's what America was built on. But, uh, you know, again, just a word of encouragement to everybody is that, you know, don't listen to the hype that job hopping every you know, every two years is all that it's cracked up to be. Because I know a lot of people that did that, that were in the same position that I was five years ago. And they're, you know, they're still making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. And, and, and they're really not happy. And they have to go into work every single day. And they can't go out to lunch when they want to go out to lunch. And they can't go to, you know, vacation. Or, you know, they're not investing in themselves. They're having to do what their boss tells them to do. And, um, and that's great for a lot of people, certainly not great for me. And, um, and I think that when you stick around a place, you show commitment, you learn that craft inside and out. And when an opportunity arises, you hop on it, you know, your life will turn out better. Yeah. So kind of finishing up the, uh, the podcast episode here with, uh, Mr. Rob Ball, serial entrepreneur in, uh, in central Florida, uh, and, and has businesses, uh, up in South Carolina as well. Uh, but would would like to kind of touch on one other area that I, I you know we've talked a lot about if you're a frontline worker or if you're a manager that's looking to to maybe go into uh, a franchise or a business, uh, but also would like to touch on real quick is maybe that that student that might still be a junior or a senior in high school thinking you know and and something you touched on a little bit earlier is you know that that college isn't for everyone. But if they're sitting there, you know, as a, as a sophomore, junior, senior in high school thinking, you know, what do the next steps in life hold for me? You know, and, and business ownership might be one of those. What, what would be, you know, a little bit of advice that, that you might could throw out to, uh, to one of those that's, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old, you know, that, that maybe, maybe something you, you hope that you had known, you know, 20 years ago when you were, you were that, that same person sitting in class. That's a phenomenal question. And I'm going to really steal this from Gary Vaynerchuk because it's advice that he has given in the past that I wish I got. And I think it's probably some of the best advice when you're 18 years old, you can make a monumental mistake and it will not make that big of a difference, especially financially. Right. I mean, if you're living at home with mom and dad, or you have your first apartment, and, you know, you can't make rent or you get behind on a bill when you're 18, right? I'm not saying to go into massive amounts of debt or anything like that. But the reality is, is that if you can take chances while you're young, the dividends are far greater than when you're older. You know, I have a family now. I have two kids, a wife, it's counting on me for a paycheck. I have two mortgages that need to be paid. And, and that comes with a lot of responsibility. And I can't afford to take the same level of risk that I could have done at 18. Yet when I was 18, I took absolutely zero chances, zero chances. I didn't start my own business. I worked for somebody, although I could have started my own business. I didn't, I didn't try to do anything except for the normal path. And so I think as young as you are, if you want to create a business when you're 16, better. If you're 15, that's even better. Start something, start working toward it, create uh, something, take risks, take some big risks. And, uh, you know, worst case scenario, you end up going to college. I mean, that's worst case scenarios. You end up going to college, you end up getting a corporate job or whatever, but swing for the absolute fence when you're young and something really great might happen. And, uh, of course for me, you know, being, being in baseball for, for a while, that, that brought a quote to mind is, uh, don't let the fear of striking out, keep you from playing the game. And, uh, I, I think that's a big one for me. I struck out so many times when I was, 
you know, heck, I was delivering newspapers when I was 12 or 13 years old. I was working at Burger King when I was 16 and 17, and I made some monumental mistakes back then, but they all taught me some really good lessons. And and like we said earlier, is that, you know, success is not ma- microwavable. It's not, uh, you know, it's not going to happen literally overnight for 99.9% of us, And uh, but grinding through. Again, uh, Rob Ball, serial entrepreneur. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode of the Franchise Builder, and uh, we, you know, would love to have you on in the future. We sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule, man. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. That was Rob Ball. Thank you guys so much. And uh, episode three coming up very soon. See ya. <laughs>